Hi, I'm Brad Blaylock. And I'm Brad McKeon, and welcome to The Brad Report. Warning, the Brad Report contains massive, gigantic, huge spoilers. Huge spoilers. Episode of the Brad Report is brought to you by Christmas, the joy of giving good gifts. Brad Report can be found on Apple, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Anchor, and Spotify. Please rate and review us. Five stars only, and make sure you subscribe to this episode and all the episodes to come. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Brad Report. And last week we reviewed the we reported on Iron Man 2, the third installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This week we will be belly flopping into The Mandalorian Season 2. Episodes 6 through 8, also known as chapters 14, 15, and 16. Before we begin, we just want to take a moment to recognize that Jeremy Bullock, the first actor to portray Boba Fett in The Empire Strikes Back and The Return of the Jedi, has passed away this past week. But, that is sad news, and he's the one that started it all. Of the Mandalorians, at least. So, get into some good old Brad Report summary and themes. Taking us away with our summary is Brad. As instructed by Ahsoka, the Mandalorian arrives with Grogu and Tython and finds the ancient temple on top of a mountain. He places Grogu at the center so that he may choose his path. While Grogu reaches out through the Force, the Mandalorian is confronted by Boba Fett, and then later, by companies of stormtroopers under the command of Moff Gideon. Ultimately, Mando loses the child. Seeking to find Moff's coordinates, Mando seeks the help of an old frenemy, Mayfield. Breaks Mayfield out of prison, and together they secure the coordinates of one Moff Gideon. With the coordinates, Mando, Boba, and Sinek team up with Bo-Katan and the gang of Death Watch to take down Moff Gideon, retrieve the Darksaber, and the child. Almost foiled by the Dark Troopers, the gang is saved by a mysterious cloaked Jedi named Luke. Skywalker. It was so good. That was crazy. What was your What was your reaction when you saw? Well, first off, what was your reaction when you saw, um, like, just like that cloaked figure walking down the hallway? And then, what was your reaction when you realized who it was? When it's, I mean, the only person that I know we know from that time period to go around in a solo X-Wing is Luke. Sure. 
So I was thinking, and Baby Yoda's or Grogu's ears perked up, and I thought, oh my goodness, are they really going to do it? Are they really going to do it? And then you see the robe, and I was just, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I'm like, they're really doing it. They're really doing it. And I see the green lightsaber. I'm like, ah! <laughs> I was just screaming in my apartment by myself, <laughs> freaking out. Uh, it was, I was, because I, you know, we've talked about this in our other episode. We thought Luke was for sure not going to be the Jedi that would show up. Yeah, we thought he was very unlikely. Yeah, it's it was just awesome. It was so, these last three episodes are so stinking good. They're so good, and I can't wait to talk about them. They're so good. But, um, before we do that, did you see any any different themes, or because we did talk about the first five episodes, were there any themes that you yeah. saw continued or picked up on? Yeah, so I actually thought there were a couple things that were pretty distinct to this as opposed to the first first five episodes. So one is just like this idea of purpose and place in the universe. So the force like it seems to be guiding these characters into like a predetermined path that is set before them. Like Grogu, it seems, is destined to be trained as a Jedi. Right? Like if you look at everything from him like surviving Anakin's onslaught of the younglings to to just like the like, unconventional route he's taken there, like definitely seems like he's been forced into this path, or this path was set before him. Then you can also say the same thing with Mando, right? Or Dinjarin. It seems like regardless of what he wants to do, he is set on this course of like, his destiny is is to be a Mandalorian and to not just be a Mandalorian, but to fight for the Mandalorian like home homeland, you know, the home planet. And it seems like even though he doesn't really care about that, he has no interest in it, like, he is just stuck on this path of doing that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I kind of wanted to pick up, because as I was listening to and going back over some of the things that we talked about in our uh, first Mando Season 2 podcast was, you know, you talked about fatherhood a good bit, and the thing with that is that I was coming back to is, you know, Injarin is not Grogu's biological father, you know? No. And there's no. so many... Yeah, it's impossible. It doesn't... So, the thing about fatherhood that I think is really important to recognize, because there are plenty of fathers out there that are biological fathers, and then they're terrible fathers, you know? And... And there are some that are, are good fathers, you know? I think one of the things that makes Mando a, or Dinjar and a good father to Grogu is his commitment and continually taking responsibility for him to ensure his well cared for and for his safety. And sure. that was one of the things that I thought was really cool to see that uh, even more so, because we've seen a lot of times where Grogu's been in danger. Dinjarin's come to save him. Then, in this instant, we see that this is the most danger that he's ever been in, and he's doing all that he can. He's compromising on his rules and his, his honor and uh, 
what he's been taught and raised for his entire life to make that happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that's good. Um, I want to just go back to the this idea of like purpose and place in the so you I think you know more about like Star Wars lore than I do. So help me out here, like the Force. <laughs> does it like is is there like a, a preset like path or destiny that the Force can pun intended force people into? Or um, like I don't, I don't know like because it feels like it feels like Din Djarin like has this destiny that this path that has been set before him and even though his choices don't seem like they would end up there he still has ended up with the dark saber and ended up in this position of like potential power. Yeah. Well, from my understanding is that even I mean especially going to prequel trilogy episodes one two and three you know they call. Anakin, the chosen one, you know, he's the one that's determined to bring balance back to the force. He's the one that as before anybody knew who he was, you know, he's just this kid from Tatooine. Like he's the one that's going to bring balance and, and restore things and uh, do all of this great stuff. Like he's the one that's going to do that. And even, I think that's, Definitely one of George's themes and uh, how he uses Luke's story specifically to not only uh, confront his father, Anakin, mm-hmm. but also to like cause that story of redemption. You know, he's moving these pieces towards each through the Force, because um, the Force connects all living things, as they say, and how there's this trajectory, like you said, this path for Luke to confront Vader. And even Yoda and Obi-Wan say that, I think in Empire Strikes Back, you know, um, he's talking about, am I ready? Am I ready to face him? Like, he, they know he's moving in that trajectory, but they're like, no, you're not ready yet. And then, you know, you have to complete your training. And I think that that is that, you know, all people in our lives, we're all moving in the forward direction. You know, and there is a sense that like, we're all uh, based on our personal beliefs, you, you and I, like we've all been gifted differently with different things. And there are things that we have been put on this earth to do and to accomplish. And I think that ties in well with, you know, just as Mando Din Djarin is like kind of put on this path, this journey, this quest, this hero's journey, this hero's quest, he is moving towards bringing back his people, bringing back the Mandalorians. You know, he's, he's by himself for the most part, but he's going to move to bringing them together. If that answers yeah, your I question. Guess, yeah, it, I'm just wondering if like, like, could someone go against their, the path before them, you know? Like, because, like, you know, you think about, you mentioned the prequels, and you think about, like, Obi-Wan yelling, no, you were the chosen one, Anakin, you know? And, um, you know, it makes you wonder, like, did Anakin actually rebel against the path set before him, or was what happened the path that was set before him? 
don't know. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. And I think... I think you could say, you know, he definitely made because there's no still free will. You know, it's just that when what we choose when we're faced up against those circumstances, because what happens is that Anakin continually makes the wrong choices. You know, he continues to make the wrong choices and giving into anger and hate and fear and keeping secrets and lies and, you know, killing uh, Count Dooku, even like in immediately afterwards, he says, you know, I shouldn't have done that. That's not the Jedi way. And then, like, I think, you know, we still make choices. You know, when you're faced with something or like a, a neutral circumstance where you have to make a decision, I think the same goes like Luke could have chose the dark side. He could have chose to uh, go, go against the dark side, and but he didn't, you know. Uh, Din Djarin could have easily said, I'm going to leave the kid where he is after in season one, but he didn't. He made a different choice. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got, I've, got, uh, I've, got, I've got one more theme. Okay. And- my next theme is this theme of like justice versus vengeance. Mm-hmm. And the last three episodes really popped up. So first we see one, we see the return of Bill Burr's character, Mayfield. Super surprise. Didn't see that coming, but it was, it was a lot of fun actually. And so he is a criminal in this universe and he is in prison actually though for a sentence that he doesn't deserve. If you remember, he's put in jail for killing new republic officers and you know they showed the flashback and it wasn't him that actually pulled the trigger and killed the new republic officer so he is serving out a sentence that ultimately he doesn't deserve right like he is a criminal and he deserves some sort of a sentence but not the one he got when he got yeah. it was a little bit it was egregious and so at the end of the episode you see Dinjarin and Cara Dune free him or set him you know they set him free from his prison sentence, they break him out of jail and then and then set him free. And it was a just thing to do because his punishment didn't match his crime, and so setting him free was justice, right? And then on the flip side, we see Bo-Katan. She just wants vengeance for Smoth, right? She she just wants to kill him, make him pay for the way that she's made her and her people pay. Whereas Kara and Mando take him in alive and take him in to serve out a just sentence that matches the crime as opposed to just murdering him on the spot. Right? And so I think you see these, these two different ideas of justice and vengeance. Um, how justice sometimes involves mercy with the Mayfield thing. Like, um, that was one of my favorite scenes, like the, the ending of that where they tell Mayfield to, you know, Oh shoot! It's, it's a real shame Mayfield died in this <laughs> in that explosion. You know we're gonna have to report that we couldn't find prisoner whatever his number is. Uh, but like that, that was an act of justice, right? And so I think this this theme justice versus vengeance is really interesting. Yeah, I think that was really cool. And like the return of his character was something because in the first episode you see him, you're like, ah, oh, this guy's kind of a jerk. 
And then in this episode, I mean, we'll talk about this more later when we get into characters, but he just really shines in his episode. He really brings a lot to the table. And I really like it a lot. I think another theme for me, kind of along with like that justice and mercy and is compromise. You can see how there's compromise in and last time Dinjarin saw him, like they were not friends. You know, they were not friends, but he needs him to find Moff Gideon. And then also when in that same episode, Mayfield's talking to Dinjarin about his helmet and all those things and he's saying you know you got to take off your helmet and so in the the last two episodes episodes uh seven and eight he takes off his helmet twice you know to and he spends time around these people which he's he's never done that before ever and he's making these compromises to save baby yoda and mayfield's like logic is that you know everybody's gonna everybody has a code until like they're forced into crisis you know everybody's got to sleep at night um and so that's what we see with dinjar and he's like making compromises and making changes to his character to match his situations too because he's in crisis a lot these last few episodes Mm -hmm. yeah that's good and we'll talk about the helmet thing later when we get to characters i think but I think that Mayfield quote, everyone has their code until they hit a crisis, is really interesting. Because, in a way, it's kind of true. You know, like Mayfield was, his whole, his point, his overall point was like, people do what they have to do to get to what they're going to, going after getting, right? Like, and his point wasn't that, like, his point wasn't that Mando was, like, going against his code, they didn't have honor or whatever. His, his point was, like, no, you're going to do whatever you have to do to get this child back. Because that's just, that's the way it is. Like you're going to do what you have to do. Yeah, I agree. Um, really looking forward to uh, getting into some more of those quotes because I want to spend a, a lot of time talking about, about that one specifically. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into storytelling. and what the major plot developments now that we finished the season and if our listeners remember you made a very specific prediction about boba fett not being in the rest of the show so no no i don't i don't think i (laughs) i don't think i said that there's certainly nowhere where you could go and verify that i I said that i was i was Tell us what you think now that now that he's made had a prominent role in the show. So I was as wrong as you could be about Boba. Um, I did not think he was coming back, and he did. He was a main character, but they kind of used him. I thought they used him really well. They didn't. You know, I was kind of worried that if we introduced other characters, we would make the show about the other characters. Right. So if you introduce characters that are well known, like Boba or Luke, that we would make the show about them, and they really used Boba as a like background character essentially which i thought was, was was nice and kind of like the wisest way to use somebody like that and they're setting up him up for his own show which is cool the book of boba which i mean i'm sure i'll watch because i'll watch everything they do 
But yeah, I thought Boba Fett was, was pretty cool. What'd you think? I loved him. I loved him. I loved so much of it. And he's just, you, know, you get all these people talking about for 40 years about like, oh, this guy is such a, such a awesome character. He's so cool. And when in, in the movies, he does nothing. He does nothing in the movies yeah. besides put on and carbonite. And then he falls into a Sarlacc pit and mm-hmm. return of the Jedi. And people are like, oh, no, no, no. He's awesome. And everyone's like, how come I haven't seen it th- yet then? Um, so you get him in episode two, Attack of the Clones, and he comes up in the Clone Wars TV show as a kid still a lot. Yeah, he's but, like a four, 14 year old gang leader. Yeah, it's crazy. And, but I really love the inclusion of him. And one of my favorite scenes is like in episode six, um, where he's attacking the stormtroopers. Yeah, I loved his in- inclusion and how they brought him in. And kind of like you said, they're incorporating these new characters to for like a one-off for a few episodes and then immediately saying like, hey, you're not popping up again. Um, so to bring in new characters that can uh, hopefully be more regular part of the show. Because at this <laughs> point, I think like Cara Dune is out besides Grogu and Din Djarin is the most reoccurring character. Usually everyone yeah. has an episode or two. I think she's maybe at five episodes, maybe six. Um, everyone else is just kind of, you see them for one episode and you don't. So I'd like to, now that we've kind of done the groundwork for Mandalorian and all of the other Star Wars shows, that mm-hmm. he can start to have more of his own occurring characters that are, are going to be more consistent um, rather than just, hey, you're here for an episode. Okay, now go do your own thing and don't show back up again, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Let's see. Who do we have next on the list to talk about? Ooh, removing the helmet. So they made a decision this, this season for not only for Din Djarin to remove his helmet once, but twice, where the first season it was understood that that was a big no-no. Very big no-no. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the thing that I, I really appreciate about that is that the only times he removed his helmet, even this season, were in order to demonstrate or show how much he loved Grogu, right? So the first time he removes it is to find the coordinates for Moff Gideon so that he can see where Moff is. And then the second time, he does it to tell Grogu bye. Right, and so I think that that just plays into this fatherhood thing that we talked about, where it's like, you know, a real a, a good father will sacrifice sacrifice anything for the good of their son or for the good of their child, right? And in this in this instance, he had to sacrifice his creed or his code in order to like show Grogu he loved him, and in order to like make sure Grogu was safe. And so I thought that was a really a really good way to display because it's it's hard to display like emotion with a character who has a mask on the whole time, and so just like the fact of just taking that mask off and revealing the face behind it um, is a perfect way to way to show how he feels about Grogu. Yeah, I agree completely. I thought it was they set the they use the story in interesting ways. It's like oh, he has to do a face scan, 
and it forces him to make a decision in that moment. What am I going to do? Kind of like what Mayfield was talking about. And then as he's saying bye to Grogu, he's kind of like reaching for his face and he takes it off. It's, it's a beautiful moment. It's a sad moment. Oh, man. It's great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. I like that. I, I like that, that Grogu got to see his face eventually. Yeah. That was a satisfying was moment. Very satisfying. I, I, I mean, we're, are we going to see Grogu again? We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> we'll, get there. we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, okay, so what do you think of Ruler Din Jaren? Set up to. Bro, this rule is crazy. A Mandalorian's. I, this was crazy when he walked in holding the dark saber, and you could just see Bo-Katan's face. Like, what did you do? You know, like, oh no, this just ruins so much. You know, because as Moff Gideon eventually explained, like, you can only you can only have the dark saber if you take it from the person who, who wielded it before by combat. Right? So he couldn't just give it to Bo-Katan. He, he, she couldn't just take it from him. They had to, in order for her to wield it, she had to duel Mando and beat him. And as Moff says, like, he who holds the dark saber, like, it, it gives you the right to the throne. And so Bo-Katan's just kind of like up a creek without a paddle, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I, because I think we talked about that. We talked about the conflict with Moff Gideon and Mando, and we were just like, oh, that's like a season or two away. <laughs> and it was like, nope, it's this season. And I think it's really setting up. I think we're going to ha- take a huge shift, season two to season three, as of what the story will contain. Especially yeah. as it, it's kind of throwing that up. And, I mean, we don't even know if Bo-Katan is alive, technically. Um, we saw her get shot and fall down, and she did not get back up. So, we'll see. I think it's likely that she's still alive, but... Yeah, I kind of just assumed she was. I yeah. mean, I, you're, right, we don't, you're right, we don't know, but I just kind of just... My assumption is she's alive. Yeah, for sure. But I think, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how things go. In the next season, okay. Um, Luke Skywalker, I I did not see that coming. I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but just how amazing it was to see Mark Hamill's face as Luke Skywalker in this story. You know, coming in at the end to save sure. the day, the Dark Troopers, and take Grogu to train him. Sure, it was really cool. It, it's really cool to see Luke Skywalker with like modern graphics and modern, you know, technology. Because like you watch a Luke back in the from the movies back in the day, and it's like it's cool, but like it just can't, you know, they can't make lightsaber fights look as cool as they can now, or like force abilities, you know, like when he's so this is like prime Luke, you know, and it just it just looks so smooth. With, like technology they have now, you know, where he's like forcing, force pushing the dark troopers off and all that. 
the one thing I will say is it kind of made the dark troopers and how like powerful they were. And then Luke just takes a whole squadron out by himself when Mando like could barely beat one. But Mando could go toe-to-toe with Ahsoka and be fine. That seemed a little like the, the power dynamic seemed just a little bit off there, right? So like when Mando went toe-to-toe with Ahsoka and was fine, you know, seemed like he could hang with her, but could barely beat one of these things. I don't know. It, it felt like a little, little wonky. Yeah, that was one of the things that, uh, so he's shooting at it, and uh, it's the blasters are having no effect, and I was like, oh shoot, did like Moff Gideon make these things out of Beskar? Like, that was my thought, and because it only seemed like the, 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 the wrist things, whatever he calls them, flying birds, I don't know what he calls them. Anyways, seemed to have a bit of an effect, and then the spear, and I was like, oh, it's it, their Beskar made, and then Luke just cuts through him with his lightsaber, and then I'm like, I guess they're not. So that did seem a little bit, um, bit off, a little bit slanted, uh, because you know, even in the Clone Wars, you see that the Jedi have issues with. There are so many droids; they have yeah. issues. You know? and, and it's like I, I understand he's Luke Skywalker, and so he's going to be, you know one of, if not the most powerful person in the show. But if we've established that Ahsoka and Mando are, like, somewhat on even playing field in terms of, like, hand-to-hand combat, and we've established that, and then we establish that Mando can barely beat one of these things, it doesn't feel like Luke should be able to beat, I don't know, 50 or however many they were, but that doesn't really matter. Uh, I think it does matter. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Because I think as one of my, I think you've said this, and I've heard other people say this as well, and this is something that I feel very passionately about. I'm sure it's, I think it's somewhere further down in my notes, but I'm going to go ahead and say it now. Um, That people are hesitant to bring Luke Skywalker into stories because he's so powerful. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, he'll just take over. It won't be interesting anymore. It's just kind of, you know, Luke will just take care of it, and there's no threat. Kind of like he did in this episode, or episode eight. And I think that's it's like such a missed opportunity, because if you make him so strong, and like don't make him have to fight, or make enemies at least that are as strong, or give him trouble, because I think it's the same thing with, with Superman, you know? You have to have villains that are strong enough to give him trouble. Otherwise, it's just a boring story. Or you have to give him weakness, you know? Superman has kryptonite. And there has to be... What I really want to see going forward, bringing Luke in, is not just use like, hey, this is our get-out-of-jail-free card, just bring Luke Skywalker in. Now, I want to see him... I'm going to see more of him as a character. I want to see him continue to be a real character that struggles and has faults and doesn't make get it right all the time, you know? That's what will make it more compelling uh Luke story. Plus I kind of wanted to see Sebastian Stan as Luke anyway. So hopefully You know, so- I feel like I feel like there is a Star Wars property where Luke doesn't get things right and he has weaknesses and vulnerability. 
don't know. Can you help me? What what, what property is that? So, <clears throat> I shall not refer to what you are referring to, as that is a <laughs> terrible take on uh, <laughs> the extent to which they go with that character in that way overcorrects in that area. So, mm-hmm. that's all I'll say about The Last Jedi. <laughs> Anyways. Um, okay. Of season two, which episode is the best and which is your favorite? I think the... You got a lot of recency bias going on right now. <laughs> so I think, I still think the best, most well-made episode of this season is episode or chapter 13, The Jedi. I think that is the most well-made episode. Just everything from the way it looks with the like samurai aesthetics to the Ahsoka versus the Magistrate uh, Beskar spear slash lightsaber duel. Uh, I thought that episode was by far like the best well, best well-made. In terms of my favorite, I actually think, and this is the recency bias, but I think that the most recent episode, the last one, The Rescue, is my favorite. Just, I mean, just everything. Like, they get Grogu back, you know, and Moff Gideon goes down, and Din Djarin finally, like, fights him. And, you know, and we talked about this, but as soon as he got that spear, you know that at some point he's going to fight Moff Gideon. Spear versus Darksaber. And we finally got it, and it looked great. And Jarn won, he saved the day. And so, yeah, this is, this is my favorite. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, uh, The Rescue is definitely the most episode eight. It, chapter 16 is definitely my favorite as well. I think best one is going to be, for me right now, as I said, recency bias is coming in. After 15, The Believer. With okay. Jaren and Mayfield. That's what Mayfield, yeah. Going on. And there are just so many interesting turns that you don't see coming with, you know, the battle is good, kind of on the caravan, fighting off. And then Mayfield's, um, Jaren seeing him as a true ally and being willing to risk that stuff around him. And then also making the choice to take off his helmet to go to those compromises in extreme lengths to save Grogu. That's where I'm at with those. Okay. Counting all 16 episodes between season one and two, which is the best and which is your favorite? Man, that is such I, a I guess favorite. Yeah. So I'd still say for favorite, uh, I think like I got to go with the rescue just because it's a recent, but it's just so, so good. Yeah, I'm going to say Rescue 2. For best, I'm going to say that it's a tie between the Jedi and Chapter 3, The Sin. So, I think those two were just incredibly well-made episodes. Zalgo, Chapter 3, The Sin, and The Jedi. I was going to say Sin, I mean, Chapter 3 is just so good. Um, but I think is it is chapter seven called Reckoning? I think uh, where they're getting the cantina. Or I think yeah. like or maybe it, no, I think chapter eight 
I'm gonna have to say chapter eight, directed by Taika Waititi, where ID Eleven goes down and the lava flows. I think that one's one of the. Oh, best. that's a great one. That's really so. good too. Yeah, these last few episodes have been amazing, and it's so so good. Let's get into some characters. So, leading us off, of course, is Din Jaren the Mando. Um, I mean, he's got some really good. I mean, it's his show. Pedro Pascal is rocking it. He's kicking it. I'm sorry I ever doubted that you would leave the show and believe those foolish rumors and controversies. But, uh, yeah, this guy, he's getting some major character development with. Like we already talked about the compromise and taking off the helmet, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I think the the development of him this season turning into like a, a loving father, um, and just all the displays of love towards Grogu, I think were just really good and really well done. And we get to see him like go toe to toe with the Jedi, and he finally. Beats up Moff Gideon, which is great. So I, I loved everything they did with Din Djarin this season. Yeah, he's great. I love it. Um, I don't have much to say about him besides that. Um, but remarkably, uh, Grogu, our next kind of main character, been in. Uh, he's not even in episode seven of this season. Uh, he kind of takes a back seat. He doesn't. He doesn't do a lot in these last. He three does. Episodes. He does. He does take a back seat. Um, I think that the show, I think they showed how powerful he is in this season. Like I know in the first season, you see him pick up the, oh, what do they call that thing? The, the a mud, mud horn, horn, right? Yeah. Yeah. You see him pick up the mud horn, which is cool and all right. Like it's, that's neat. But this season we get to see him like throwing around stormtroopers left and right. Even like force choking one. And we get to see him like reach out through the force on this rock, and like Ahsoka even recognizes like just how powerful and strong this this child is. And so I think that recognition is really really interesting. And I kind of like that they they did that. They showed us just how like what was at stake what was at stake with him. So yeah, but I don't I don't know. We'll see if we get Grogu back. You know, he he left with Luke to go to go be trained. Yeah, man, I, I don't know. I have no idea, like, uh, what's going to happen with that. Um, it seems, I mean, if they want to bring him back, I'm sure the writers can find a way. Um, but it seems like he's going to be in pretty safe hands with Luke um, until Ben Solo shows up, at least, and uh, murders the second genocide of the Jedi Temple. <clears throat> so, uh, but yeah. yeah, I think- I, <laughs> That's another thing. It's like, okay, like, Grogu's already survived one, one youngling slaughter, and we're putting him right back into the hands of somewhere where we know there's going to be another youngling slaughter. It's like, man, this poor kid, just everywhere he goes, just, tra- just traumatic experiences left and right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he's cute. He kind of 
there obviously like he is a puppet there's not much character but he is super sweet and cute and adorable and um just making his little noises and everything but yeah but transitioning to a character that we predicted would make a return this season and did Bo-Katan Kreese uh what are your thoughts of her return in uh chapter 16 the rescue yeah she's cool i i think it makes sense if they're going to fight moff gideon they need some more you know they need some some more firepower like it makes sense to find someone who you know hates moff gideon right and so they wouldn't get her and her and her crew and i think that she's going to serve really well in terms of like advancing the story and advancing the plot for next season i think that you know, we'll get to this when we make some predictions later, but I think that she's going to be very integral in next season's plot as well. But the the way they used her to show Din Djarin, like the diff, that there are different views on what it means to be Mandalore, Lorian, different views on like how to live the creed, that was really compelling. So I liked her. I like her a lot in this universe. Yeah, I like her as well. Um, I thought... One of the inconsistencies of the character is when they show up at the beginning with Boba Fett and she is antagonizing Boba Fett and like, oh, you're not a real Mandalorian. You can't wear that armor. And then her sidekick, I don't even know her name, is like starting, like, is kind of picking up. It's like, hey, hey, yeah, let's fight. And then they fight. And then she's like, hey, stop that. That's what, that's why we can't be unified because that's why we don't have our planet anymore. It's like, Girl, you started it, you know. Um, that was kind of, I was like, what? I, I don't get that. Why they had to, anyways. Um, uh, but yeah, she wants to rule and rebuild Mandalore, uh, but because of the customs and honor and culture, um, Din Djarin is now in the way of getting at, like, he's he's in the way, you know, he's a foundling, uh, she was a princess, like. Her older sister was the queen of Mandalore, and she didn't have any kids, and so now, like, it should pass to her, but now we have Din Djarin, which is cool and interesting to see. All right, so next we have Cara Dune, and she gets to return this season a couple of different times, and ultimately we see her as part of the group with Mando, who's coming to save the day and is coming to to help him take down Moff Gideon. What did you think of, of Cara Dune's character development this season? Yeah, I thought it was interesting to see her kind of take on this more official role because in the past, like when we first meet her, she's kind of on the run. She's an, not an, she's an outlaw. Uh, she was once part of the New Republic and then she's like, hey, I'm not dealing with like protecting Imperials anymore. Like we were fighting against them. I thought especially in chapter 16, the rescue, the intro and that one <laughs> Imperial pilot is like, Hey, I saw Mandal, I saw Alderaan like destroy. I was on the death star when we blew it up and it was worth it. And she just shoots the guy. And I think they're definitely building her up to be a part of the Rangers of the new Republic. Um, I don't know if she'll be the focus of the show, but it seems like she'll she and Grief Cargo will be a part of it as she's taken on the role of the marshal and have actually like some sway and some official kind of 
you know, who knows if they may, she may bump into to Leia or Han, you know, later on down the road as kind of part of that, uh, or Lando or Wedge, you know, part of that integral team. Yeah, I definitely feel like they're kind of building her up to be part of that Rangers show, which which will be great. I think she she can handle that role pretty easily. Um, but I, yeah, I thought that the her shooting that guy was crazy too. That was a wild moment for her. Golly, I was like, as I was watching that this, uh, especially as I was watching uh, Chapter Sixteen, The Rescue, I was like, man, this episode is going dark. Like there are some really dark moments, especially where Jaren like chokes a stormtrooper with the spear. I was like, yeah. holy smokes. Yeah, and um, then you see Moth like waving the lightsaber right over Baby Yoda's head, Grogu's head, and you're like, oh man, please don't. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was like, please this don't is hurt my child. Very scary. And so I think, but like, I think that's good in a way that it doesn't get mundane and it's like, you know, there are real risk and there are real dangers because there's some episodes where mm-hmm. you're like, okay, this is really lighthearted um, and for kids still. And then other parts where it's like, oh, this is dark, you know, kind of like the original trilogy. Yeah, I really yeah, like the. Uh, um, oh, I'm. I guarantee we'll see more of her. Um, okay, next, Oba Fett, and my note under here is for him is that this dude is a bad, bad man. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's a I mean, bad we've, heard, man. we've already talked about. Yeah, we've already talked about Bobo a little, but it was really satisfying to see him just rip through all the stormtroopers in his first like reentrance here, where he just like shatters their heads essentially, <laughs> like they're like plastic face shields, he's just shattering them left and right. That was really satisfying. And yeah, I mean he's a cool character, and I think that the book of Boba has some promise, and it looks pretty interesting. Yeah, I agree. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, similar along those lines, Fennec Shand, uh, she's kind of just, uh, I mean, she's just part of the crew. She's an assassin. She goes in, she shoots people. She doesn't have a lot of character development or even character showing other than the fact that Boba Fett saved her life, Tatooine, and now she's like, hey, I'm with him. And he's, mm-hmm. she's kind of his, his right-hand woman slash man, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, what about Mayfield? Mayfeld, however you say his name, Mayfield. Yes, yeah, so I I didn't think that he was going to come back. You know, we've already mentioned that. I I wish somebody close to Bill Burr would tell him he's a much better actor in the Star Wars universe than he is a co- comedian, because I really like him in this universe, and I think he works yeah. really well. And I I think his character Mayfield, like the kind of like. Um, you know, like like a little like wisecracking, very very funny, uh, just very self aware like criminal. Like he's really good at it, and I, yeah. I, I I'd like to see him more. Honestly, he was great. Yeah, he definitely brought in some kind of like Han and Lando vibes of knowing he's kind of a scoundrel and a and sort of a bad dude or someone that it's at least made bad decisions. And perfectly self-aware who he is. Oh. And then we get to see also like what makes him tick. And like when he's introduced, we see that he was a formal Imperial sniper. And we see why he left. And to him be really vulnerable and like see how he's still traumatized. 
by his time as a soldier. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed just getting like a story of kind of like an everyday everyday person in the Star Wars universe, right? Like even like the Mandalorian, like he's not a Jedi or whatever, but like he's still pretty significant in in the universe. And, like when people see a Mandalorian, like it's very significant. They know or they've at least heard of like oh, this is a group of people who are really good at killing, XYZ, but we don't get a whole lot of glimpses into just like the casual like you know, person that signed up to be a you know an empire, uh, whatever. Like we don't we don't get like the kind of like everyday Star Wars story very often. I think Mayfield provided like some pretty good insight to like the trauma that these wars have caused, and so I, I really enjoyed his character. Yeah, he's dope. I uh, I hope we see him again. Uh, kind of one of those guys that can just pop up again for an episode or two, and like hey, let's go on a heist, you know sniper like use an extra extra guy on there um yeah so what about moff gideon uh beside um like a reoccurring character but one that we've seen a, not a lot of you know when we all things into consideration we haven't seen a ton of him yeah he is awesome um he was a pretty intimidating villain i thought I felt that they made him seem very intelligent and very, very intimidating. And he was pretty good with the Darksaber, too. Like, he wasn't just, um, like, I mean, he started to just batter, you know, did jarring for a little while. And so I thought that was really good to finally get to see him in action, if you are, get to see him kind of bust, bust some heads a little bit. So I thought he was a great villain. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, definitely when he's just like, assume I know everything. I was like, woo, that's creepy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's, he's a good villain, and I really hope in the coming seasons we see more of him and how he's going to continue to be a threat from this point onward. Absolutely. And last but not least, we have Luke Skywalker, which it's kind of hard to talk about Luke just from this 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 show or whatever, but for trying to think of him just purely from his appearance in The Mandalorian, like obviously like an incredible fighter, like they sh- displayed his power pretty well, you know. I mean, it's very clear how just like you know insanely powerful and such a good fighter he is. And I thought the whole I th- I thought Din Djarin's like immediate trust to him was interesting too, like. And how like Grogu was immediately like willing to go with him as long as Jaren trusted him because throughout this the show we've seen, you know, Grogu you know, Man- Mando obviously loves Grogu, but Grogu loves Mando too and, and there's like a real sense of like safety when he's with him. And so to see Grogu immediately trust Luke and be like, Hey, like if you'll let me, I'll go with him I thought that was pretty interesting and just kinda of showed like the character of Luke. Not a small little act. Yeah, I think. I mean, obviously, part of the impact was like that the fact that Luke just saved all of them from being killed. Um, yeah, no, that's fair. And, <laughs> and how you know he this was kind of like what he was hoping for, but instead of being on the mountain, he's now on this on the ship, uh, where like he's this Jedi has finally come. To take care of Grogu, 
and he's completed his quest that he was he set off from at the end of season one to return him to his kind, quote unquote, to Jedi to receive training because this is the way. And how Luke is the the answer to that, and how he's you know even though it's it's Mark Hamill, it's CG, but like you get that you get his poise. You know he is perfectly poised. He is unruffled. And he's he's wise, and when Din Djarin starts to say like, "Oh, Grogu's afraid of you," and he's like, "No, he's not. He's he's wanting permission from you." Right. Yeah. And just kind of like that wisdom, that poise is is really great. Um, he's come a long way from uh, wanting to go to Takashi Station to pick up some power converters. You know. <laughs> I agree. All right, well, now that we've covered some of the main characters of, the, of this season, let's get into some of our favorite quotes and scenes from the last last few episodes of the season. Okay. Do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? Uh, you can go first. All right. So my first one is at the, um, the end of... Episode seven, um, chapter fifteen, the believer, where he's he's calling uh, Moff Gideon and he's threatening him, and he's repeating his words, exact words, back to him when Moff Gideon threatened uh, Din Djarin when they were in the cantina, and he ends with, "He means more to me than you will ever know," and it's just such a powerful moments and it's threatening and it's intimidating and he's just throwing Moff Gideon's words right back in his face and so that quote is money it is a money quote and just how that those things come full circle where Jaren's now the one that's coming from Moff Gideon he's the one that's now threatening him and it's awesome yeah that's good so mine is uh, Mandalorian He's talking to Gregor and he says, you're a very special kid. We're going to find that place you belong and they're going to take real good care of you. That's, that's really good. He is a really special kid. Hmm. Um, my next one uh, is, fr- is from Luke and it's in the, the final episode and Dinjarin does say, he's like, he says he's afraid. And Luke says, wants your permission. And I mean, I just talked about this, but he's getting into that. Like Grogu loves Mando and he is connected to him. And as Ahsoka said, he does have an attachment to him, but he's saying like, Hey, you know, he also recognizes that Luke is a Jedi whom he is one of as well, or he's been trained by them and just saying like, Hey, is it okay for me to go? And it's just such a beautiful moment. Hmm. That's good. All right, so this one is a... It's actually a dialogue between Kara and Finnick. And Cardoon says, we're going to have to take out this cannons if Boba's going to get close enough to lift him out of there. Finnick says, shouldn't be a problem. You concentrate on the troopers, and I'll take the cannons. And eventually Kara goes, I wonder what's taking them so long. It's just kind of funny to see Kara and Finnick just like absolutely just just blow through these stormtroopers like like they're not even there. And then like 
what are Mayfield and Dinjar doing? Like, we're done. Like, <laughs> we finished our jobs. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, that. I mean, that's a, such a great episode. I have my last one from that episode where Mayfield and, and Dinjarin are having that dialogue, talking about um, all those things that, like, people compromising, and then he's just like, hey, we all got to sleep at night. And that's so interesting because, you know, using that rationale, to justify uh, actions, you know, we say, you know, well, I'm gonna do whatever's necessary to make sure that I'm at peace, even if it causes harm to others. And how Mayfield is—he does help them in this scenario. But when, if you use that rationale, like you know, a similar rationale is like, hey, we all got to pay the mortgage. You know, how often that's used to, like, well, I just got to do what I got to do to make money, and. I got to do whatever I I need to do to be at peace with myself and whatever the outcome of that, as long as I'm able to sleep at night, I think is it's, it's good in the sense that like Din Djarin is willing to take off his helmet to save Grogu, but it can also be used as the opposite because I think, you know, what, see with Anakin in Revenge of the Sith is that he can't sleep at night because he's afraid that he's going to lose right. Padme. And then he takes these extreme measures to turn to the dark side and murder like all those younglings and Jedi and all that stuff. So he can sleep peacefully and protect the one person that he cares about the most. So I just think that it's interesting to see that rationale played out that way. And use it for for good, but also how it can be used for harm. Yeah, that's good. All right, my next quote that's is actually a what? I was gonna say that was my last quote. So you finish okay. this out for the quotes. Okay, I got one more, and it's actually between uh, Moth Gideon and. Well, technically, he's talking to Grogu. Grogu obviously doesn't say anything back, but <laughs> it's when he captures Grogu again. He says. You've gotten very good with that, but it makes you oh so sleepy. Have you ever seen one of these? And he pulls out the dark saber. Yes. Oh, uh, uh, uh. You're not ready to play with such things. Liable to put an eye out with one of these. Looks like you could use a nice long sleep. And I don't know. For me, that was just one of the moments that I thought was so creepy about Moff Gideon. He's just. The way he talked to Grogu, like that small little child, was like threatening him with a lightsaber was just so creepy. Yeah, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. Um, he, yeah, Don Carlo Esposito, he plays great villains. Like he's a great actor, and uh, yeah, he does he does a great job. I'm looking forward to seeing seeing more of him. Um. Let's get into our favorite scenes now. I think uh, you kind of you mentioned this one earlier, but I love Boba Fett fighting the stormtroopers with the Tuscan Raider staff and smashing them to pieces, and their helmets breaking apart. It's so good. It's so much fun. Yeah. What about you? That is what, a good Yeah, that is a good scene. Sorry. <laughs> our, our, our voices were a little overlaid there for a second, so I could 
Yeah, but yeah, no, that's a good scene. I love this scene. I've already mentioned this before, but at the end of episode 14, when Kara and and Dinjarin tell Mayfield that he's free to go, I think that it was such a good picture of what justice truly is. You know, like, hey, like, you've served your time. There's no sense in you, like, serving out any, any sort of, like, longer sentence here for a crime you didn't truly commit. And... I mean, it was just funny, too, you know, the way Carl was like, oh, man, it's a shame we've got to tell him that prisoner or whatever died in the in this fire, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, I have a similar, uh, from that same episode, uh, I've got a scene where Dinjarin and Mayfield are infiltrating as these, like, as these troopers. And it gave me very, a lot of, like, Luke and Han as stormtroopers in the Death Star vibes. Where they know they don't belong and they're dressed up in these uniforms that aren't theirs and they're just kind of like bickering at each other as they're trying to get the plan and finish it and then just like then they find themselves in a situation where they're talking with an imperial officer and having drinks it's kind of like with luke on the intercom it's like oh we're doing fine up here you know just a weapons malfunction everything's fine here now as a situation normal all right, we're, we're coming up. Oh, no, no, no. There's a leak up here, a very large leak. And it's like Mayfail is like, what do you call him? We call him brown eyes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's super funny. I really love that scene a lot. Yeah, I guess just going like a little more specific within that scene. One a moment that I like the most is at the kind of right after Mayfield shoots the general and things are going, things are getting a little chaotic or whatever. And he looks at Mando, he's like, he hands him his helmet back. He's like, you did what you had to do. I didn't see anything. Yeah, it was like, I never like, saw your face. Yeah, you know, it was like this really cool moment of like brotherhood and trust between the two. And I don't know, it just kind of to me showed like Maple Tart and the character that he has of like, like it's okay. Like, everything's going to be okay. He, I understand. You did what you need to do to get Grigu. Let's move on. Yeah, it was really great. Um, yeah, that's why I think that's one's like that episode's like definitely the I think is the best of the season. Um, so my next scene is the dark saber versus the Beskar spear, just the fight between. Oh, uh, yeah, Jaren and Mark I had this Gideon on my list so too. Good. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Like you can see, and like the points is. I mean, maybe I, I wasn't paying attention during the Ahsoka fight against the spear, where it didn't seem like when she struck it, the spear was like starting to get hot. But with the Darksaber, it was. It was like glowing red and getting hot. I was like, oh, snap. It's like, is he going to be able to like, I mean, it's an old lightsaber. Is he going to be able to cut through this? It's a Mandalorian lightsaber. I was, I was nervous, but, you know, and uh, Din Djarin like came through and got the victory. Would you say that was the best fight scene of The Mandalorian so far? I think so. I think it had the most stakes. Um, uh, I mean, hard to like, kind of like, yeah, I think that's, that one's the best fight scene or just like with the stakes between them because he's going forward to pick up Grogu and then you think like maybe he's going to try and stab him in the back and I mean, it is like 
the level of just stress and tension is through the roof at that point. Did you think that Moff was really going to give him the kid at any point? Or I, you know, I did. Just... Yeah. I thought for a second I was like, oh, that'll be interesting. Like, like, and then it, it would have set up a good conflict with Bo-Katan and Jaren sure. being like, how could you have let him go? And he's like, hey, I was just here for the kid. And like, that's what I told you at the beginning. It's like, I'm here to make him safe. And I thought that could have been an interesting way, but I appreciated the suspense of like, what is going to happen? You know, I didn't know. And that was enjoyable. Yeah, that's fair. I was just like, no way. What? What? No. Yeah, so I was going to say that. I'll say another one of my favorite scenes was at the end of this episode where he, he takes off his helmet and he looks at Grogu and Grogu sees his face for the first time. And, you know, he's telling him goodbye. I thought those were really... It, it had more emotional punch to it than I thought it would. Yeah, it was beautiful. And, like, even before that, uh, I mean, that whole scene, seeing Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker, obviously the goodbye was very sad. And seeing, like, oh, it's an X-Wing coming in. And I'm just, I'm, I am on my knees being like, oh, shoot. <laughs> in my, by myself in the apartment, oh, shoot, oh, shoot. And then see the Jedi and then see the green lightsaber. I was like, oh, it's Luke. <laughs> I was freaking out. And I was, as I said, I was finger crossed. I was like, Sebastian Stan, Sebastian Stan, Sebastian Stan. He gave me Mark Campbell, which is pretty great also. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love that scene. Yeah, Sebastian Stan would have been cool. Um, but all in all, that was great. Do you have any more scenes you want to talk about or touch on? Yeah, that's all of them. Yeah, I think the only other thing I would say maybe is the whole like meditation scene where Grogu's on the rock and you know, he's meditating and there's the force filled up and they're fighting to protect him. That was really cool. The intro of Boba Fett or at least like when we see Boba Fett like fight again which was really fun to see. That was really good. So let's get into some questions. Who is your favorite character this season? Season two of Mandalorian. Who's your favorite character? I mean, that's hard because it's like on one hand, like Ahsoka is probably just my favorite Star Wars character in general. So it's hard not to say her, but you know, she, while she's important to the story, she wasn't the central character in the story. And so, I mean, I'll say my favorite character of this, of this season was probably Din Djarin. You know, he's just such a good character, the Mandalorian, and following him and seeing his growth and his like emotional maturity grow towards Baby Yoda, I think is is really enduring. Yeah, I mean, it's, I have the same answer, Din Djarin. He just he's the star of the show, and um, besides Cara Dune, who I looked it up as like she's been in eight episodes, um, and besides everyone else, like. That's half of the episodes. So we just haven't seen that many other recurring characters. So it's either got to be Grogu and Jaren or someone that had very minimal screen time. And so Din Djarin exactly. for me. Sure. Jaren for me, for sure. Okay. What Star Wars characters would you like to see in future seasons of The Mandalorian? 
Oh man, I don't know about. I don't know. So I have an. I have an answer. Okay, give it, us your it answer. Stresses, it stresses me that I have. This is my answer. I hope we see more of Grogu because I don't know if we're going to. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's interesting. So, like, we handed Luke all handed Luke off, handed Grogu to Luke, presumably to go get trained. I does that mean we just don't see Grogu anymore? Like, does the show just take a pivot and become like Mandalorian politics show or what? Yeah, I I don't know. I. He's my hope is that like hey Dinjarin says to Grogu he's like hey we'll see each other again and I'm like hey maybe that means I'll see some more Luke maybe some more R two D two maybe a young Ben Solo maybe uh, Han and Leia I don't know Orlando like that would be cool you know uh, to see those characters again uh, but yeah I was. I want to see more of uh, Din Djarin and Grogu interact. That's what... I have no idea, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good, a good one to put in. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a little worried that we might not see Grogu nearly as much in future seasons of The Mandalorian. So, I, yeah, it's it's stressful. <laughs> uh, but talking about that, so what are your predictions uh, for season three? What do you think season three will look like? Uh, I think the I think the main plot of season three will focus on Dinjarin and the like Mandalorian throne. Right, so he is now the wielder of the dark saber. Meaning he he has the right to the to being the leader and the ruler of Mandalore. And so I think that, and he doesn't want it. <laughs> you know, like he doesn't want this the mantle that's been thrust upon him. And I think that will be the kind of the crux of the next season. And I and I, it makes kind of sense. You know, like I don't see where you know Grogu doesn't fit into that 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 storyline nearly as much as it did the returning the child. So it makes sense that they move them off. But um, I think the, the plot will really focus on, on Dinjar and Bogotan and Mandalore. Yeah. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, I do have one very specific prediction for season three is that Moff Gideon will escape from prison in episode one of season three. Hmm. If not episode one, in episode one, two, or three. I'll give another prediction. My prediction is that we meet other tribes of Mandalorians too. So not just uh, Death Watch, not just... Um... No, what's the other name of the, the tribe? Children of the Watch. Yeah, Children of the Watch. Not just them. Like We'll meet a couple other tribes and... I think we'll see some form of coalition by the end of next next season. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I think I, yeah, obviously that would be make sense if they're trying to unify Mandalore and Mandalorians. We're going to see a lot of different factions, which will be really cool. So, getting into our overall reflections and final grade. What have you got? 
yeah, I'll say that my main, my big reflection is that this show is just fantastic. And I will, I mean, I am at the point now where, like, whatever Dave Filoni and Favreau decide they want to do, I'm, I'm game and I'll trust them and I'll watch it and I'll probably love it because this has been excellent. It feels like every decision they make, even when it's stuff like flies in the face of things I've said previously, like it just works (laughs) and they, and they do it so well and so compelling that it doesn't matter that it may not have been what I wanted or what other fans wanted. It still works and it looks great and it's a compelling story. And so I think that this is, I think it. I think it makes the, and we'll talk about this in a in a future episode, a future bonus episode. Uh, but I think it makes some of these other properties that have been announced in the Star Wars universe like a little more promising, right? Like I can trust uh, shows about random characters that we've never heard of because this one was so good and so effective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I enjoyed season two a lot more than I did season one. Uh, season one was still fantastic, but I think, you know, we talked about this in our Mando season one episode, and the first part is like, I'm enjoying this season a lot more. It's fantastic. I'm giving it an A+. It's great, and I'm loving what they're doing with the characters and the stories, and just, you know, it's a universe that I love and I enjoy, and they're telling good stories. The characters are good and compelling, and there are stakes, and you feel for the characters, and you're invested in the characters, and it's it's good action, good dialogue. It looks beautiful, and yeah, can't wait for more. Yeah, so I am also going to give this show an A+. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for another episode of The Brad Report. We hope that you dug what you heard. We hope that you will like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, follow us on social media. And until next time, love you 3,000.